0: This is the Two Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Ryan Moreland, and Glenn Lotsenheiser talk
1: every from Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Two Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're
0: listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Hello, and welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored, the Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, Glenn, I don't even have a nickname. Just too depressing this week to come up with one, so it's just Glenn Lawsonheiser. What's up, man? Fuck it. Matt, not with us right now on the show. He might pop in later. We'll see. Uh, he took. Unlikely, he's
1: too busy crying.
0: Yeah, he took the loss pretty hard. He's in the corner, shaking right now. It was a tough one for everybody, but we're going to get through it. We're going to bring you a really good show and get you ready for that next one, which hopefully should be a W, but we'll get more into that. Let's jump into the mailbag here. First one from David Green. He asks, with the loss in the bag and more than likely the, the division, what do you see our standings being at the end of the season?
1: I'm still saying – Seven and nine, eight and eight. Um, It's going to be a lot tougher to get to nine wins, which is what's going to take to win the division, I still believe. Though, you know, the Texans, they suck pretty hard. They're probably going to lose tonight. You eight and eight could win the division if we can beat the Texans. Uh, But we'd have to beat them for sure for eight and eight to get us there. Honestly, I think we probably we end up eight and eight. Um, I don't like it, but that's, you know, better than I expected. I thought we'd have six wins for the year. 8-8, Eight and eight, I'll take.
0: Yeah, I agree. We were saying it was going to be eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. Um, it really depends on that last game. Right now, I have that last game of the season as a push uh, between us and the Texans. So that, but then we lose this game, which you know, of course, all of us had as a win, and it drops us to uh, seven and nine, possibly an eight and eight, and that's where I think we're setting. And yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I think that I think that the Texans are going to go eight and eight um if we beat them so we have to beat them in that last game so we both go eight and eight and then hope for hopefully we have a tiebreaker in that situation uh, but we got to beat them in order to to win the division that's what it's going to come down to is winning that game that's still in the, my mind I still think this made it harder for us to win because we're gonna have to be, make a tiebreaker in my opinion but it's still uh still about the same odds in in my uh You know, in my eyes, still about the same odds of of winning the division. If if we lose any of the games that we have to win from here on out, that's when you're talking about chances are over. All right, next one here sent in by Mallory Walsh. She wants to know, does it worry you that Malarkey can't seem to light a fire under this team in the first
1: half? Coming off of big wins, it does bother me. Um, I've noticed the same thing. If we kick somebody's ass, we come out flat the next game. But that's on the players and the leadership of the players on the field. You know, it shouldn't be, they shouldn't wait till they're down 21 nothing to be on the sidelines screaming and yelling at each other. You know, if you come out flat the first series, there should be veterans kicking people's ass on the sideline right then and there. And I think going forward, it'll happen a little bit faster. You'll see more DeMarco Murray and Delaney Walker yelling at the offense. You're going to see more Poe Morgan yelling at the defense. Um, I don't think it'll be as bad as that again, where it's the whole first half, but I do have concerns about the coaching staff just getting guys' heads in the right places. You can only do so much for them. They can't go out there and make those big hits. But the the players themselves have got to get in there too, and they've got to go out there and play with some fire. Everybody looked like they were just dragging ass for almost the entire first half.
0: I agree with you here. Um, I think Malarkey has done a great job. And I think he's done a fantastic job of turning this team around. You know, we've switched, completely switched um, our offense around. And he's implemented it well. He's done a good job. You At this level, these guys have to be able to motivate themselves. They have to be able to come out fierce, ready to go. And, you know, they got to come out angry. It's within yourself. You know, you've been doing this. All Most of these guys, the vast majority of these guys have been doing it their entire lives. You have to be able to motivate from within. It didn't happen this week. I think we thought we had it in the bag. came out very soft. And then when we did actually start to play a good football game, it was just too little too late. So, I, you know, it it doesn't really worry me about malarkey. I think this is more on the players and the way they performed. You know, if it continues to be a problem in the next year, then, then I start to think, uh, it's more Malarkey's fault, and i put a little bit more on him. But right now, it doesn't worry me. Uh, it leaves about my head coach. Next one here, Josh Ebel asks, and this one's been a popular uh, bit of news lately in the last day, uh, Glenn. Do you think Parrish Cox should be benched?
1: No, because who replaces him? It's got to be McCain if you're going to replace him. And I don't like McCain as a number two. I'd rather, and I've said this repeatedly, just go ahead and put the rookies out there and see what they can do. It's just it's so hard for me to imagine McCain doing any better than Cox. You know, Cox is probably better as a nickel. Uh McCain has to be a nickel. So neither one of them belong is a number two. But of the two, I'd rather have Cox out there playing physical than McCain. McCain makes big plays now and then, like that beautiful interception he had. It was it was a great play. It doesn't take out all the other bad plays he's made. So unless they're gonna start one of the rookies in there, you know, throw Sims out there I'd rather just leave Cox and just, you know, write it and see how it goes.
0: I agree. And, you know, in this last game, Parrish Cox had six completions for 142 yards and a touchdown. Six completions isn't that bad, you know, in a game. That's something you can live with. But it's the yards after that become an issue. 142 yards. That's an average of 23.7 yards per catch that he allows. That's f- fucking way too much. And I agree with you. You know who you're going to put there. Yeah, you McCain, you can't play him on the outside. Uh, he's not built for that. It's going to even be worse with him out there than Cox. And then, you know, you have Valentino Blake, who I just have no faith in right now.
1: That's why I didn't mention him.
0: Yeah, I'm, I know. But uh, then you have the rookies. And I think, and I've been saying it for a while, that I think you give Sims a shot. I like LaShawn Sims. I like the way he plays. I think you give him a shot. Uh, and let's see what he can do. but if you're not willing to do that, if you as the coaching staff feel like he's not ready for that, especially right now when we're we're still in the running for a playoff hunt uh, and with you know if we can win our division, then I say you leave Paris Cox out there and I know that sucks, but there's really outside of the rookies, there's nobody I'd want to see take over that spot. I agree with you there 100%. And
1: that's the key is as long as we're in the playoff hunt, the coaches aren't going to do anything experimental with the rotations, they're they're not going to put the rookies out there to get them game experience because you don't do that when there's still a a chance you can make the playoffs. If we were mathematically eliminated like the Browns, you you put out all the young guys and you go for it. Right now, they're still trying to win games because there's still a chance to make this season special.
0: I 100% agree. I think if this is a three-win team or a two-win team instead of a five-win team right now, uh, you see Lashawn Sims in there, but right now, um, you really can't do that because we're still we still have playoff hopes. We can still win this division as we were just talking about. So I think you still gotta have Paris Cox out there for right now. The last question in our mailbag comes from Brandon Williams, good friend of the show. He asks with Andrew Luck probably being out as we're hearing now with his concussion, and Jay Cutler's gonna be out, is this the perfect storm for the Titans to win the division?
1: Well, if Fluck had gone out last week whenever he got that concussion instead of the team leaving him in there and letting him play, and we won that game, yeah, that would, that would have helped. It doesn't do us any good at this point, really, because it's not the Colts that we're chasing. It's the Texans. Um, it's possible the Colts could end up winning the division, but it's the Texans that we're chasing right now. Uh, Cutler being out, it just makes this game easier I think we all agree this is gonna, this should be a win, and if it's not, then we start having a whole different group of conversations. Uh, it's not the perfect storm; it doesn't hurt our cause any. You know, if, if luck misses two or three games because you know Morgan just hit him that hard, okay, doesn't hurt my feelings any. It doesn't help us nearly as much as I'd like it to. Uh, Cutler, that just that adds to the uh, dumpster fire that should help us win next week.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Perfect storm would have been. Andrew Luck got that injury in the first uh, possession of the game that we played against the Colts. But it helps us for right now. Um, You know, right now we're technically setting behind the Colts. I don't think that lasts, obviously. Uh, This team, with Andrew Luck out, it's going to be hard for them to win games. Then you look at, in a couple weeks, though, what we're looking at here, the Texas play the Raiders tonight, then the Chargers, then the Packers, then the Colts. We definitely want Andrew Luck back for that game because by that time I think we'll be back on top of the Colts. So we want them to beat the Texans in that game to keep us in the playoff hunt. So we do not want this Andrew Luck injury to be a long-term thing so they can get that win over the Texans, which only helps us out in order to get into the playoffs. Really, it it's not a perfect storm for us because of what you just mentioned. Also, like you said, we're, they're not the ones we're chasing. We're chasing after the Texans right now. So perfect injury would be maybe Lamar Miller or something like that. I won't say Brock Osweiler because I don't think there's that much difference between Osweiler and whoever's behind him, you know, but something like that would be a perfect injury for us. But, you know, not wishing an injury on anybody, obviously, but this helps. You know, Jay Cutler definitely helps with him out. But, you know, I just hope that Andrew Luck comes back healthy and ready in a couple weeks so he can destroy the Texans and increase our odds.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that taking Osweiler out hurt the Texans. It probably helps them.
0: Yeah, probably true. But that's all we have for the mailbag. Thanks everybody for your submissions. Uh, remember, if you want to get yours in, you can email them to us. You can tweet them at us uh, at Two Tone Uncensored. You can send them to us on Facebook on the Two Tone Uncensored page. We always put up a post on the Facebook page that you can comment on. Also, if you go to the group page, we also put one on there that you can just type in answers or questions, and and we always take the best ones and put them in the show. So thanks, everybody, for your submissions. If you want to hear your question next week, make sure you send it to us in one of those ways. We're going to jump into the news here, so take it away, Glenn.
1: Real quick on the uh, question submissions, get them in by about 6 o'clock. That's about the time we end up doing this on Monday, Uh, just time constraints of all of our schedules. So try to get them in by 6 o'clock. If you get them in later, sometimes we're starting a little bit later we can get them in. Early as possible, you know. Sometimes while the fire is still in your belly after the game, even. But I'd like to you know, bring it down a note here. I got to ask Ryan something. After your West Virginia Mountaineers got crushed by Oklahoma,
0: I knew this was coming up.
1: And then the Titans came out and shit the bed in the first half. How close were you to quitting football?
0: Hey, add on top of that, that I have I overcommitted in fantasy football this year. So I have fantasy seven fantasy football teams. It looks like this week I'm going to be 1-6 in fantasy. He had that on top of Tennessee losing, uh, West Virginia just demolishing themselves in that game. It was uh, not a fun weekend for me. I've, I've been saying this might be the worst football weekend I've ever experienced.
1: And yet he still does not give Oklahoma credit for beating them.
0: West Virginia anyway, beat speak- themselves. Oklahoma didn't beat nobody. West Virginia beat themselves in that game. <laughs>
1: They beat themselves, in Oklahoma finished off the job. Anyway, speaking of crying men, you know, Ryan, Matt, uh, let's talk about Jalen Ramsey real quick, crying <laughs> on the bench hey, against the Lions. Great for segue. all of his talent, he looks like he's about as soft as a baby's butt. How happy are you today that you don't have him on your, your roster?
0: Happy, and I was happy then. I know a lot of people in the Titans fan base wanted to see Jalen Ramsey come to this squad. You know, obviously he could have done some good for us, Um you know, when we're talking about Parish Cox and stuff like that. But we got a guy in Jack Conklin that hasn't given up a sack all year. You know, and look at all the other draft picks that we were able to get with, you know, trading back. It was the right decision to make for the Tennessee Titans, for the future of this team. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would rather have Jack Conklin right now on this team than I would ha- have Jalen Ramsey. That's before you even factor in all of the other... Um, all the other draft picks that we got from that trade, all the other guys that we're going to be able to get from that trade or have already gotten. Uh, So I think we made the right choice there. And, man, he just – he makes for an interesting interview. That's all I'll say on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, get to injuries of a physical nature. Andrew Luck, as we discussed, has a concussion, probably misses this weekend. Probably doesn't miss anything after that, but it would hurt our feelings if he lost a couple more games. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he got that concussion during the game. He didn't miss any snaps, so, you know, fuck player safety, obviously. Like they did what they had to do to win. Taylor Lewan, he's uh, day-to-day with an ankle sprain, basically. Uh, he might play, he might not. At this point, we've seen what Kelly can do behind him. Kelly plays pretty well, despite all of our misgivings about that trade as far as the quality of what we got. It's turning out to be a pretty good trade, letting Doriel Green-Beckham go to bring in Kelly.
0: Yeah, it turned out to be a great move, you know. And at the time, we were pretty critical of it. But Dennis Kelly has stepped up when we needed him and really performed um, extraordinarily when we needed him. It's suffice it to say, yeah, it was a a great trade. Now looking back, at the time, you know, is a a head-scratcher. But I'm glad that we did it because just look at what Dennis Kelly's been able to do when we've needed him. Uh, And, you know, talking about the Andrew Luck thing, obviously the Colts deserve... A massive fine for you know violating player safety. Um, probably should forfeit that win. Maybe all the wins from this season, or maybe all the wins ever. Uh, I don't know. I'm not on the. I'm not the guy that decides that. But you know, Colts should probably not have a franchise anymore, just to play it safe.
1: That's completely fair. I, I think that is a fair and impartial evaluation of the situation. I Thank really Con- appreciate that.
0: They call me baby Goodell. (laughs) There you go.
1: (laughs) All right. uh, Another injury. AJ Green went off the field. Looked like he had torn his hamstring. If you dropped him from your uh, fantasy roster already, go get him back. Uh, Looks like he's actually only going to be out for a week or two. He will be back for for the fantasy playoffs. I don't know how good he'll be at that point, but he's not out for the year.
0: Yeah, I saw a lot of people dropped him uh, preemptively, very quickly, and Unfortunately for those people, their waivers behind mine, so they're not getting them back. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah that that was a little. That's why you always wait. Always wait. See what it says. You know, I, you have plenty of time throughout the week to drop them and pick somebody up. Wait and play it on the safe side.
1: Absolutely. Never make a rush judgment on dropping somebody until the final report comes out from the team that they're definitely not coming back. Especially you know a franchise player like AJ Green. Speaking of players with uh, hurt legs, Giovanni Bernard tore his ACL. He's done for the year. LeSean McCoy, he's having surgery on his thumb, but is expected to play next week, so don't drop him yet. As we discussed, Jay Cutler has a shoulder injury, probably misses this game. Doesn't really matter if he misses the rest of the year. Uh, The Bears' tight end Zach Miller broke uh, broke a bone in his foot. He won't be in this game. Alshon Jeffrey won't be in this game because he's an idiot who does uh, performance-enhancing drugs and screws up fantasy rosters. The Bears' offensive lineman Josh Sitton uh, missed the rest of the game after injuring his ankle and may be out this weekend. So that's four Bears players that we definitely won't be seeing this weekend.
0: I know this isn't the ideal fit, Glenn, but we've talked in the past how you've been trying to get a job with the Tennessee Titans. You know, they have a few more injuries. You might be able to get a job with the Chicago Bears.
1: (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) <laughs> I just I need a, I need a way in the door. I'll go in. I'll do a good job for the Bears, and then the Titans will bring me in. I, I'm go. fine with. I'll work my way up. I'm all right with it.
0: Get in free agency. Have Tennessee pay you too much? That's the way to do it.
1: I don't see them pay me too much, but I'll take whatever <laughs> they want to offer me.
0: Oh yeah. Well, you know, it'll, let me be your agent, and I'll get to you there. Okay. I'll you, make you the make Titans. it happen. I will. The Titans will pay you too
1: much. I'm just fine with that. I do want to say that. I did notice that you did not drop A.J. Green from your roster. I'm disappointed in you.
0: I play it safe, man. I play it safe. Yep.
1: Well, I, I'm disappointed because I was waiting to see that happen and get that notification so I could go snatch him up. But <laughs> Oh, well, I, I go on another week with just whoever the hell I can find to start a wide receiver. Um, speaking of injuries, uh, the Packers defensive back, Demetri Goodson, had one of those horrendous – injuries that it's going to end up making it up on youtube viral uh people will be showing their friends if you didn't see it you should definitely go look do it while you're eating dinner
0: yeah not for the faint of heart i'll give the um warning there this is gruesome this one this is one of those where you like you like your shoulders touch your earlobes you know it's like and you you know close one eye start to look away it's rough to watch um so, you don't like those kind of injuries. You don't like seeing that kind of stuff. I would definitely steer clear of it because it is pretty nasty.
1: Nah, go look at it. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, and fuck uh,
0: it. Roll the dice.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Take your chances. Uh, Morris Claiborne, defensive back for the Cowboys. He injured his pelvis. Ryan, do you have an update on the status of his hips?
0: Not good. They're, those are not good hips, man. And uh sucks for Dallas, man. This defense is reeling from injuries and suspensions as we've all I'm sure I've known continue to learn more about as the weeks go on between you know Randy Gregory and the like but they still seem to find a way to you know be able to do just enough for their offense you know to outscore the opponent so they've been impressive for what they have to work with and you know right an eight game win streak obviously but it that injury sucks um, for them it's just another guy that they're losing that and they really can't afford to lose anybody on defense.
1: Well, speaking for all the uh, old Oilers fans, uh, the battles for Texas, fuck the Cowboys. I don't care.
0: Oh, you know, no. So some of the
1: Titans fans might not care as much. You know, They may not have that hatred.
0: It sucks the, for them, it, but fuck the Cowboys. Who cares?
1: Yeah. The, the Oilers fans definitely have a, a deep hatred for the uh, Cowboys. So, you know, fuck the Cowboys. But that's all I got for the injury news. Let's go ahead and talk about some happier things. But we'll start out with a high note. Jeff Fisher has now tied uh, Tom Landry for the most losses in NFL history. He should so, have that record shortly.
0: This is a thing that, like, it's it, you know, it's like if you throw the most interceptions in a career, it's kind of an honor, like a backhanded honor, because in order to get that many losses, you have to stick around for a while, you know, a long while, <laughs> which means you have to do at least some things right. Although I will say, you know, Tom Landry won Super Bowls. You know, Jeff Fisher got to one, so it's kind of a head scratcher how he's stayed around as long as he has. I keep calling him. I, I've been calling him all season, starting last year, uh, the king. You know, Sir Eight and Eight, Mister Five Hundred himself, because he always just seems to be that six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven guy, just right in that window with a few outliers. Uh, and it blows my mind that he's been able to get up there to this point because most coaches that lose never get to the point where they can get close to this record because they haven't had that success. Tom Landry was a hell of a football coach, you know, Hall of Famer that deserves to be there, and that's how he got to that record is because he just coached for so damn long. Jeff Fisher got to that record a hell of a lot faster than Landry did, and it blows my mind that he can still get a job at the NFL at that level.
1: You know, Jeff Fisher's always been in really well with the media. That's everything. I've always heard that. Uh, he's always been a part of the NFL Rules Commission. He, he's he's one of those guys where he's in there with the good old boy network. He's got the media not just butchering him because they're his buddies. He played his cards right coming up. He made friends with the right people. It's kept him in the league for a long time. And as much as we like to give him shit about being 8-8, eight he did author some of the greatest Titans moments we've ever seen. You know, he get, he got us to the Super Bowl. He got CJ2K, the name CJ2K, by running him regardless of all other things. Nothing else mattered but just getting Johnson 2,000 yards because we weren't going to win anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely happy moments with Jeff Fisher. Early 90s, early 2000s, you know, we had some very, very good teams. You know, we've talked to interviewed some of the guys on the show. It seems like all the guys we've interviewed is are from that era, you know, uh, of teams and, and and you know, a lot of great memories there. So, you know, not all um it's not all shitty for Fisher. It does blow my mind though how he keeps getting jobs after he just he's been mediocre for so long, but I wanna ask you this, how much of him being able to stay in the NFL is that awesome mustache?
1: I'm gonna go ten percent porn stash.
0: That's a little light. I'm going
1: to 23%. 23%. All right. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll let you have that number. Maybe he's hooking up the owner's wives. You know, I, I'm not sure. Maybe that there porn stash is symbolic of something else.
0: You know, it's all those housewives that grew up watching Tom Selleck movies and never got the chance to land Tom Selleck. Well, this is your chance. You can knock off the... <laughs> <laughs> you can knock the,
1: that one off the bucket list and do Jeff Fisher instead. Yeah, there you go. Matt would have hung up already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk about some uh, some other records. Marcus Mariota, he's now got the longest multiple touchdown streak in the franchise history. He surpassed Warren Moon. It's only his second year. Damn, I wish he could tackle. We should probably trade him.
0: Yeah, this is outstanding. Um, and, and speaking of mustaches, I'll touch on this real quick. You know, he's rocking the mustache for the whole Movember thing. And his is, his is all right, but have you seen Matt Castle's? <laughs> Matt Castle's got have. the handlebar. Uh, I'll tell you what—that's the most impressive thing Matt Castle's done since he left the Patriots is to grow that mustache. But
1: no, I honestly is, think that—I was going to say—I honestly think that Mariota just can't grow more of a beard or a mustache than what he's got right now. I think that's his facial hair limit.
0: No, I agree. That's obviously it. But luckily, um, having facial hair does not dictate if you can throw the football or not. Uh is playing outstanding. You know, this is. This is a very, very impressive streak to beat. You know, if you look at the history of this franchise, you know, back to George Blanda, and then you have Warren Moon and Steve McNair, so many top notch quarterbacks have come before him. So to take this, you're taking a franchise record away from a Hall of Famer um, as in your second year uh, in the NFL. It's got to be an incredibly special moment for Mariota. And I know he's a team guy, so. He got it in a loss, so you know, I'm I'm sure it's you know not even in the back of his mind, but uh, you know, he deserves a lot of credit here. It's a very impressive record to break, and it just goes to show you how much this kid has been able to do. I know a lot there's a lot of Mario to haters out there. It's another reminder just how good he actually is.
1: And with these receivers no less. And I would like to point out that the man he docked off of this is not only my favorite quarterback of all time, I have his autographed Hall of Fame jersey that I received from him personally hanging on my wall in Warren Moon. And I cannot wait to get my Marcus Mariota jersey.
0: Absolutely. You know, it just it makes you so excited for the future when a kid's able to do this kind of things This young. I mean, he's breaking the record his second year in. And I know it's been stated by you, stated by, and restated by me, and then re-restated by me. But it's just, it's mind-bending, uh, you know, that... A kid is able to do this this early on in his career surpass, you know, one of the great quarterbacks, the great quarterback of, of you know, our franchise, a uh, very impressive.
1: And on a team that was that bad last year and is predominantly a run based offense this year where he's having to take over and throw the ball and he's doing it successfully. He has his moments. He makes his mistakes because it's his second year people, but if you don't appreciate what you're looking at, I'd really like you to go ahead and jump on the Colts' bandwagon or go somewhere else.
0: Yeah, you have to keep that in mind, too. Is you know This, this wide receiver core is not good. Uh, and one Moon did have a pretty decent wide receiver core. And, and then one Moon was throwing the ball all the time, that run-and-shoot offense. And, you know, Mariota's downhill running offense, it, it just makes it even more impressive what he's been able to do.
1: Yeah. Moon would have loved to have played in this system. I think uh, as great as he is at the run and shoot, I think if he'd had DeMarco Murray to run the ball for him, he would have been a perfectly happy man. He had some great receivers, good tight ends. Uh, he was played on some very special teams, uh, some of the best teams you'll ever see just talent-wise. But having a great running back really helps your cause. Absolutely. Yep. And speaking of Murray, he did miss breaking the other great who's hanging on my wall here. In Earl Campbell, he did not beat Earl Campbell's record of consecutive 100-yard games. He uh, He's going to have to remain tied with Earl and try to do that again probably next year or else wrapping around the end of this year into the next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is another one that, uh incredibly impressive just to tie a guy like that. I mean, I know Earl Campbell didn't have a long time in this league, but you'll never see a running back have... A more dominant start than Earl Campbell had to a career. Uh, I mean, he made that team when he got there. Those first three years, I mean, they're fantastic. Go look at the statistics; it's unreal. You know, go watch the clips. The guy was just a—he was just a pickup truck, you know, driving through an offensive line. It, it was absolutely spectacular what he was able to do. And and you know, you look at those. Really fantastic Steeler teams of that era, and he gave them run for their money. You know, mostly Earl Campbell by himself at that point. He was just a fantastic player, just a um, you know an all time great in my opinion. And to tie a franchise record like that, wouldn't you know share it with a guy like that? So special. And you know, I know Demarco Murray's a a veteran, but the first year on our team, uh, you know, just another thing that just makes you so excited to see what comes next.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know M- Murray, he doesn't have a lot of time left us r- with us really, but the guy sitting behind him and Henry, he he should take care of our running game for the next you know at least eight years. I don't play, make it longer than that because you know Earl Campbell short career, Eddie he got earled, you know they ran him until he just couldn't go anymore. Chris Johnson they kind of did the same thing to him. Murray, we're going to run him to death, <clears throat> and right behind him we're going to do it again to uh, Henry. But let's appreciate them for why they're here. Because these guys, they play their hearts out. They run unbelievably hard. I just, I love watching DeMarco Murray run the ball because all he wants to do is win, and it shows every time he carries that ball.
0: And this is another thing too. When you talk about these two records, you know, we're going back to Warren Moon and Earl Campbell, and and you're skipping over McNair and Eddie George. You know, this is two feats that they were not able to accomplish in their time. And considering how good um Eddie George wasn't his prime and, and how good Steve McNair was in his prime, that they weren't able never able to accomplish what you have accomplished this season, uh, it just goes to show you, like it's just I mean, I, I know I've said it a hundred times already, but I can't overstate it. It's very impressive and and these two young men, well Murray not so much young men, but uh, these two guys are just outstanding players.
1: Well, Murray's young to me. <laughs> But, all right, that's all I've got for the news and injuries and you know records and that kind of thing. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the uh, Indianapolis Colts when we get back from this commercial break here.
0: Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show.
1: Hey, everybody, Glenn here. I just want to thank you for supporting our show and listening each week. There are things we want to do to make this show bigger and better and get more people involved. And to do that, we're going to need a little bit more money than we're already putting into the show. For that reason, we're going to open it up to advertising. Not just the silly bits we do to promote ourselves, but actual real advertising. If you want to get the word out about a community event that you have upcoming and make Nashville aware, or make the internet aware, we can help. If you have a business and you want to reach out to the Titans fan base, we're happy to do that too. Go to our Podbean page on the right-hand side under Related Links. There is a link there to advertise with us. You can run a spot, we can read it off, you can put it up on our social media, however you want to do it, we want to work with you. If you want to sponsor a segment, say Nissan Stadium Mailbag, we can do that too. So once again, that's Podbean, related links, advertise with us. Tell us what you need, we'll make it happen.
0: Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about.
1: Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans, and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit-talk crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads.
0: That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up.
1: Hey Titans fans, do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a raccoe didn't get six sacks?
0: Have you ever wondered why a defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end?
1: If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Losneiser from the 2 Uncensored podcast hosts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It
0: comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning.
1: It's on our two uncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it posts. It's a real quick read and even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! a message for the gentlemen in the nashville area we have an event we want to make you aware of our good friend of the show Brandon williams with the new beginning international ministry church of god in christ is having a men's day service at 9 a.m december 10th that's the day the broncos are coming to town the men's day service is at 9 a.m so you can attend and still go to the game in fact, they're going to the game afterwards themselves, and they have 10 extra tickets available. They want to have an opportunity to communion with you and then take you to the game afterwards. It's a first-come, 1st first serve situation, so show up early, and the tickets are free. The address is 3670 Central Pike Suite G in Hermitage, Tennessee, 37076. If you have any questions for Brandon, you can find him on the Tennessee Titans Uncensored group. He's there regularly talking Titans with the other fans. The phone number for the church is 615-586-1839. You can call them with questions as well. They do a Wednesday service occasionally. There will be another one upcoming soon. Come on out. Meet some good people. Maybe go cheer on the Titans as they beat the Broncos. You're
0: listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Brought to
1: you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scave. you listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up.
0: All right, we're back from that commercial break. Let's head into this Colts game. Let's start here with this giving up 21 points to start the game. And we've talked about it. You know, is it Malarkey's fault? Is it the player's fault? But just another, we've done this so many times this season where we give up an early lead and we just can't seem to come back in the end. How much of this do you think has to do with the aggressiveness of our play calling? Do you think we need to be more aggressive in the beginning of the game?
1: When I was uh, previewing this game, I said that they've got to come out and play this game like they did the last game. You're playing Andrew Luck at home and against the Colts team that just absolutely has our number. I was, I was just going nuts how many times they mentioned the fact that we've lost to the Colts nine straight times, now ten straight times. We can't beat them. You know, At least Jeff Fisher, whatever he was you know, going through the same kind of streak against the Colts, when Peyton Manning was there, he started off the game the way we started off the game against the Packers. He, he kicked an onside kick to start off the game. He did all kinds of crazy shit trying to get a lead, and it worked. He got the lead. He just couldn't hold on against Peyton Manning. I think we could have held on against this Colts team because their defense is not as good. Uh, those those Colts teams didn't have great defenses either, but it, they don't have the weapons Andrew Luck that Peyton Manning had, I think that we could have blitzed them real fast, done some weird shit, got the offense moving, got the defense energized. They, they should have come out there with a full head of steam, trying to continue on the way they played last week, just fearless balls to the wall, go out there, kick him in the dirt, keep him down there, don't ever let him get up. The play calling this game, it fit the way the players were playing. I mean, sure, if those guys had gone out there and executed those plays with all of their heart and had just been just it, Delaney Walker, whenever he was out there was trying to start a fight with guys just to get you know people fired up, and get himself fired up. If the whole team had come out there with that attitude, you could have called those plays. But after last week, I think they needed to go out there and be a little bit more wild with it. And then if it doesn't work, Ego conservative and take it from there and just try to out-muscle them. I really feel the play calling did not set off the right tone to start with. I wanted the ball to start the game. I wanted to drive the field and score to start the game. And they went out there and they just ran your basic opening series that you would run against anybody else.
0: This was aggravating, and you, you want them to take some shots, to take some chances, especially against a weakened secondary I thought you would see them take shots early, but we didn't see that happen. We saw them play more conservatively, and then, you know, we get behind in this game. It, it's like it's man, it I don't know. It just it sucks because in the same game, you also got to see that Tennessee can play this team and and, and stick right with them because you know obviously we shut their offense completely down after they score 21. They only score. Three more points, so we shut them down consistently. Drive after drive, we were able to put a little bit of points on the board, just not enough to come up with you know the win at the end. But after a certain point, we just we start shutting them down. After they scored uh, that last time, they missed a field goal. Then they had the you know short drive right before halftime. Then they punt, 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 and get that field goal. Punt, uh, get intercepted, and then you know the game ends. So the second half. You know, we gave up three points, so we can sh- we showed that we can play with this team, that we can dominate this team. You know, in the second half, they scored three, while we, we were able to score, what, ten in that same time frame. So we were able to show that we we can beat this team, that we can play above their level in the same game, but, you know, when we get behind that early, there's, there's not much that you can do.
1: I think the players are probably kicking themselves more than even the fans are kicking them. They, they know they had a chance to win this game. They know they've lost this game because they came out and they didn't execute. They didn't play hard to start the game. The fire they came out with the second half, Morgan was just going nuts, just doing everything he could to get after Luck in that second half. If they had come out with that fire in the first half, they win this game. They made uh, Luck uncomfortable. They made it hard to run. They didn't give up the huge... Mistake plays that they were giving up in the first half. They committed a lot of penalties. But if you're going to commit penalties, commit them at 100 miles an hour. Committing penalties when you're barely half-assed playing anyway, it just it guarantees that you're not going to win that game.
0: And you talked about the penalties. That was a huge problem in this game for us. We had 11 of penalties flags. Uh, totaling 109 yards, they had eight totaling 70 yards. So right there, giving up 49 yards in this football game just for stupid mistakes, stupid mistakes, and and stupid things that we shouldn't have have gotten. That I mean, look if you look at the turnovers, we win the turnover battle. We didn't turn the ball over once. They did, you know, with the one interception. So we win the turnover battle. But penalty yardage, you know, we showed in this game a very undisciplined. Uh, style of football when you know and that played us in early in the season but the last few games you know we've been playing with a few exceptions of you know Taylor Lewan, uh, been playing very clean games uh, and then come out and you know look really really undisciplined in this game um, you cannot have a hundred over a hundred yards and penalties you're not going to win a lot of those games
1: yeah I commented some of these players have apparently forgotten all the push-ups they were doing this early in the season, I think they should probably be doing a push-up per yard with somebody sitting on their back for all the stupid mistakes they made this game. Just wear out their arms so they can't even lift up their beers at night and you know, remind them that they have to come out here and play better football than this.
0: Absolutely. And, and we're talking about the loss here, but there's a couple guys in this game that had pretty good games I want to talk about uh, individually real quick. Uh, Mariota, 25 for 38, 290 yards. Uh, two touchdowns, no picks, as I said earlier. But sacked five times for a total of 36 yards. That's a lot of yardage to be given up in sacks. Um, but outside of that, played a really fantastic game. What did you think about this game for him?
1: I thought Mariota did a good job. He was holding onto the ball too long. Um, I don't know if they were just throwing him some different looks because the Colts have our number or what. But it, it's a lot of sacks to give up. You know, Considering how few we'd given up this season, we gave up a third as many sacks in one game. We, we've really thrown our numbers off as far as the number of sacks that we have. And it's against the Colts. How the hell do the Colts keep kicking our ass? I, I am going to discuss this a little bit in the Know Your Enemy article this week. Just you know, a brief summary of what, what we saw. One thing that you see when you watch the Colts play, and for as untalented and as bad as their defense is overall... When you watch them play the Titans, and you don't see this against most of the other teams, which is what's so frustrating about it, when they play the Titans, they take good angles and they tackle well, and they don't do that the rest of the damn time. I don't know what it is about our team that brings out the best in them, but we do. Uh, I did warn everybody that we would be getting the Colts' best shot because they were coming off of a uh, bye week in an absolute must-win game, but it was a must-win game for us coming off of a huge win with all the momentum behind us. The Colts showed up. The Titans did it. Offensive line, they didn't help him out as much. They still didn't give up a ton of pressure so much as they gave up those sacks. Uh, the sacks were bad times. They had some uh, penalties. Uh, part of that, though, just is it's Marcus waiting too long to go ahead and get moving. Uh, there were some opportunities for him to have run for at least a few yards instead of taking sacks. The back-to-back sacks in the uh, second half, that huge sack followed up by just another sack, you can't have that. And that's a young quarterback not getting rid of the ball when he should have.
0: Yeah, that is one thing that Marcus needs to work on is his pocket awareness. And um, this game, it really showed. Uh, you were right. Holding onto the ball far too long on some of these plays, that's what caused a lot of these sacks. And, I, you know, I don't want to see him take off and run every play, but after a certain point, you've got to make something out of it. And I, I think that, a couple of these plays, like you said, he had the opportunity to run and did not take it, and I wish he would have taken some of those opportunities in order to be able to get some more yards out of it rather than an incomplete pass or, or a sack, as we saw. And one more guy I wanted to talk about real quick is Rashad Matthews. Nine catches, 122 yards in this game. Really, like, we talked about how it was kind of spurdy, you know. We saw Tajay in the, in the very early part of the year looked – You know, like he took over and then Kendall Wright comes back and it looked like he was the number one and then Rashad. But Rashad's had a healthy streak now building where he is the top, you know, earning wide receivers, the most targeted wide receiver. Do you think the rest of this season now moving forward, do you think that Matthews is, uh, you know, the de facto number one or do you think we're going to see another shift?
1: Well, as an example, I kept Matthews and I dropped Wright last week. I had both of them on my fantasy team because, like I said, I have no receivers. Ever since Andre Johnson left, has accepted the mantle of, I'm the man. I'm not sure what Andre Johnson was doing before he left that made Matthews think anything otherwise. Uh, He wasn't having a big season. Since Andre Johnson, and it may not have anything to do with him, but it's certainly uh, circumstantial evidence, has stepped up, is running better routes, he's fighting for balls, he's, he's definitely a little bit more mouthy out there, it's just... There's a huge confidence uptick in him since then. Maybe the coach has just sat him down and said, look, brought you in here to be our receiver. Go out there and do something or we'll replace you. I don't know what they said or what he did in his own mind to get it done. Maybe his woman just said, I'm not hanging out with you. You suck. And he started playing ball better. Whatever the hell motivated him. I don't care. He's playing better. And I'm really enjoying what we're seeing from Matthews because – he looks now like the guy that we said he was when he came over to the team. Uh, when, when we signed him, the three of us sat there and said he's faster than you think he is. I, I distinctly remember saying, you know, that he was faster because of his forty time uh, that he ran before the combine. He ran a four-four then. He's uh, stronger. He's a lot stronger than a lot of people understand, and he runs very good, crisp routes, and he was a fighter. And you didn't see that for about the first, I don't know, eight weeks of the season or probably the first seven, I guess. But he's really turned it on. And Matthews is trying to establish himself as that number one guy. He's trying to free up the team from having to draft a wide receiver with our first pick by going out there and playing well enough and giving Marcus a reliable target that they can worry about a cornerback a safety, a middle linebacker, things like that. Yeah, I
0: agree with a lot of what you just said there. And I wanted to bring up one more topic. Uh, Valentino Blake, they decided that, you know, he didn't suck enough on defense. So why don't we just put him on offense, got one carry for a loss of two. What do you think about that play?
1: That was more of a special teams carry. My main problem with that play, if you're going to run a fake punt, you don't start shifting people around and putting an offset look out there. You put out an absolute normal-looking punt formation, and then you snap it to the guy who's going to try to run the ball. What the hell was that play? It was just so painful to look at. It was obvious they were going to fake punt it. The defense just drops back into their zones and starts manning up, and there was no chance that damn thing was going to work. If you were going to try to just pound the rock in there, line up with your power formation with Murray, Henry, Kelly, Jalston Fowler, Line up there with some muscle and just get your damn yard. Running Valentino Blake's punk ass up in there, it was a terrible play call. And then to advertise that you were going to do it, how does that ever work?
0: (laughs) No, I agree. What did you think about the uh, boneheaded uh, special teams play that he made near the goal line?
1: The most impressive part of that moment was the fact that he got on Twitter later on and doubled down on it. Absolutely defending that it was his job to go get the ball, so he went and got the ball. There was not one single person in the stands. The baby sleeping on row 10 seat C knew that you would not run up there and grab that ball. What the hell was that going to accomplish? The very best result that could possibly have come from that was what happened, that he caught the ball and he got to the ground with it and was tackled immediately. There was no chance that anything else was going to happen. You know, he, he runs in there, he jumps up, he grabs the ball, and all we're thinking is the ball's coming out. It's going to be a fumble. They're going to get at least a touchdown, if not a safety, or just the ball in our one-yard line. There's absolutely no scenario in which that play makes any damn sense at all. And my thing is, is it worked out okay. So we don't butcher him for that play. We butcher him for all the other stupid, boat plays he's made before that that make that play not look so bad. Uh, I, I, tweet, I uh, put out on our Facebook page, you know, right then, just cut his ass. Cut his ass. Get it rid of him. Uh, in a conversation earlier, I said I would make him go take his uh, jersey and his gear off, go give them to the closest Titans fan sitting in there in the uh, Colt stadium, give those to that lucky fan, and then he can Uber or fly himself home. I don't care.
0: Yeah, this one, I mean, not only did he make the mistake, and, you know, like you said, it could have been a lot worse than it was, but not only to make the mistake, but then to double down on to back up, you know, back it up and say like, "Oh, I made," and like, "Oh, it's my job to go get the ball, and I went and got it." Like, well, maybe we should, you know, draft guys and bring in some guys that, you know, are able to think at a higher level than that. Or you know, is it like, is your thinking that linear that all you can do is like, oh, "See ball, I get ball," like. I think that they're paying you to do a little bit better job than that. Yeah, that was a really stupid play, and I don't know how you don't go on Twitter and just be like, yeah, sorry, I'm an idiot, because that was dumb. And, you know, and even, like, the punt, if he doesn't go down and get it, it might have just went through the back of the end zone for a touchback. Not saying it absolutely would have, but it could could have. So he could possibly, what, we ended up on the two-yard line, so he cost us 18 yards there to make a very dangerous play. Uh, Real stupid.
1: I don't think it was going to get into the end zone. I think it was to, the ball was going to end up where it did. The Colts players had it surrounded, and it just took a funky bounce right along the end, the, uh, end zone line there. It should have gotten into the end zone before that point. It shouldn't have been possible for him to catch it. That's no excuse to go over there and jump over there and catch the ball in the middle of a crowd. That was a Leon Lett kind of stupid.
0: <laughs> Good pull there, Leon Let. Yeah, that was a really, really dumb play. Is there anything else from this game that stuck out to you that you uh, wanted to talk about?
1: You know, I think we've covered pretty much all of it. You know, the, the team fought really hard in the second half. I'll Let's say this. The biggest indictment against the Titans this game is that we have one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. We have one of the best rushing offenses in the league. And we came out and we played so bad that at one point the Colts had 200 yards to our one yard. Forget the score, which was ridiculous. 200 yards to one yard. How can a team, this powerhouse running game, with Marcus able to scramble and throw, get one damn yard against the Indianapolis Colts in a yeah. half of football?
0: Facing off against an average at best defense.
1: Yeah, you know, not even average. They're bad. You know, their their pass defense is like bottom five. Their run defense is like bottom twelve or something like that. They're a bad defense. They're the opposite of what we saw with the you know the Packers. The Packers have a very good defense. The Colts have a very bad defense. And we came out there and we played so laxadaisical with the expectation that we were going to somehow win because we kicked the the Packers' ass. We went out there acting like the Colts were just going to lay down and just let us stick it in. It's not going to happen that way.
0: This is another one where they say, they always say you know it's so hard to pick games within a division because it you know, doesn't never goes the way that you think it's going to. And that goes to show you this is a team in Tennessee that was coming off of a win at red hot. You know, great running downhill team that's been you know with a quarterback that's been on fire as of late, and they just they the offense comes out sputtering. You know, a defense that has played well, and they just get eaten up by our first half. Uh, I mean, there's really no excuse for the game. Uh, and there's nothing that we can say that's better for you.
1: I can make it better. play the Bears next week.
0: There you go. All right, Glenn, now we're looking forward to this Chicago Bears game in which Jay Cutler's out for the rest of the season, as we've been talking about. His backup, Brian Hoyer, is out for the rest of the season as well. So now the... You know the Bears are looking to Matt Barkley, and that's who's going to be the starter in this game. Uh, obviously, a big advantage for us, right?
1: Absolutely. I believe this is Matt Barkley's first NFL start. Not a good sign for them. The whole team is injured. The offensive line is injured. The top two receivers are injured. His tight end is out. Uh, they've got another PED suspension. Uh, their middle linebacker. Uh, he's going to miss four games now. The, the team is just jacked up. Uh, they're their best cornerback. He's been out this whole season. He may start practicing the next couple of weeks. This is, it sets up as a game where we're playing one of the most injured teams you'll ever see. If that's not enough to give us that step up, even if we come out flat, we should be able to beat them. And I really think they're going to be looking for some serious redemption after that loss last week.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I think Matt Barkley has had a start before in his first year. Um, you know, drafted in 2013 by the Eagles, spent the last two years there, didn't play in 2015 and now with the Bears in 2016. But interesting stat on Matt Barkley zero career uh, touchdowns, nine career turnovers well, between, you know, six interceptions, three fumbles. Uh, so definitely benefiting us, you know, a guy that's never thrown a touchdown pass before. As weak as our secondary is, I think they should have a pretty good day going into this one, especially since, no, Alshon Jeffrey, this this should be a really easy game for the Tennessee Titans to win, especially since, you know, they, they don't have their starter or their backup quarterback. Injuries along the offensive line, all the injuries you just mentioned, their corners, I mean, this team's just getting bit by the injury bug
1: bad. Absolutely wrecked. I'm not sure about Barkley there. Uh, the the RotoWire and the uh, Rappaport post I said said this was his first start, but he's played in other games. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, he's seen very limited time. I mean, over his the three years, he has 65 pass attempts. You know, so he's gotten he when he even he has gotten time, it's very little. So little experience, and when it has when he has been on the field, as I was saying, it hasn't been good.
1: No, and. You could say that he hasn't had the right opportunity, but this isn't it either. Uh, this should not be a good showing for him. He's probably going to get his ass handed to him with a lot of pressure, and the Titans don't have to do anything special on defense because there's just there's nobody special coming at them on offense. Uh, Jordan Howard might be their best player this week, you know, the rookie that we talked about, and that just may be their only hope is that they can get him going somehow. But the line in front of him is injured, so I just I, I don't see how the Pairs can possibly get on track this week. <laughs>
0: uh, I agree with you too, there, Glenn. You know, and if you look at the other side of the football, the injuries that they have on defense, on a defense that hasn't been any good this year, it's going to be easy for Mariota and Murray and company to move the football on this team. I don't see this being a problem. You know, not a lot to talk about in this game. It's just it should be an ass whooping. That's what. It, that's the only thing that we should see this game. And I know that you know we were talking, I believe, off off cam or off the mic. And I said, it should be an ass-whooping. And you said, yeah, that means it'll be a close game, which seems to be uh, very true of this Titans team, uh, you know, at least since the end of the McNair era. But this one, I'll be surprised if this game's close.
1: There's absolutely no excuse for this to be a close game. If these guys come out and play to the maximum amount of their ability, the Titans should still beat them easily. Uh, it's just the guys they've got, their right tackles out, Massey, he, he's been a revolving door and pass protection this year. And the guy that he was starting in front of is going to have to play this week. This there, there should be nothing this offense can do that the Titans can't handle. There should be nothing that their defense does other than just having a good group of linebackers, but their middle linebacker is missing. I don't know who, who they're going to put on uh, Walker. It's going to probably have to be a safety. And that's a, a matchup that Walker wins every time. It, it should be an absolute ass kicking. It shouldn't even be close. We'll see what the Titans do with it. This will tell us a lot about our team's mindset, but after they lose, they tend to come back and play pretty hard. I want to see them go in there, kick the crap out of the Bears, and then I want to see them come out and just tear into the Broncos and show that they're ready for this next level, what it takes to be a playoff team and put back-to-back really high-intensity games together.
0: I agree with you. Um, You know, this should be, as we were saying, should be an ass-whooping. And then, you know, going into that game against the Broncos, we're going to have a week off, get our bye week finally, you know, in this really late bye week this season. Then going against the Broncos team that, you know, has such a good defense and, you know, can play poor on offense, we just have to make Trevor Simeon uncomfortable in that situation and and not let it – because they still have great wide receivers in Denver – not let them take, and not let Simeon take advantage of of a poor defense. But you know, tough games coming up after this. You have the Broncos game out of the bye week, then followed by Kansas City. And I know that Kansas City has been playing fantastic. They they've been beating crappy teams by you know small margins, but they were on that win streak up until this week. Uh, And then we take on the Jaguars, who, you know, it just makes me so happy to watch them just shit the bed after everybody thought they were going to be amazing coming out of the offseason that they had. And they've really just shit the bed this season. And then that, that really tough game against Houston, they ended off this season. That is another one. You know, we saw them last night. This Houston team stuck with the Raiders up until the very end of that game, which I know we kept a close game with the Raiders too. But this Houston team, I think, is better than a lot of Titans fans want to give them credit for.
1: It certainly played better. Their their defense is getting it done without JJ Watt. It's one of those things where you you look at this defense, they've got good players all over the field. It's just it was always about Watt. Well, without Watt, they're still a really good defense. Um, they're they're getting it done without the superstar who I saw post by him earlier today that he may be done. He may be calling it good with all these injuries racking up like this. And their defense will be okay if he is. But before we can get there, we have to get past the Broncos. We have to get past the Chiefs. We have to beat the Jaguars. All of that can be done, but for the Texans game to matter, we have to be in a position to at least tie them for the division win.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, this this is uh, it's a tough schedule going up forward from here after this Bears game, obviously, because I think this is a win for us. And then after that, I think the Jaguars is the only set-in-stone win that we have for the rest of the schedule. You know, these the last four games, I would say right now, from what I've seen from us, from what I've seen for the Broncos, I would give the Broncos the edge in that game. Um, I think it is a winnable game, but I think that they – have the advantage over us. It's a tough defense to play against, obviously, um, and they have some time to get healthy. You know, which that defense really hasn't been in the last couple weeks. Then Kansas City. I think this is a fifty-fifty game because Kansas City plays well, but you know they they always play really tight games. Uh, if we can squeeze a tight one out in Kansas City, I think that could be the difference maker. That we're looking for heading into you know this playoff hunt, winning this division, uh, and then of course that last game against Houston. I think if we do get one win between Denver and Kansas City, if we can win one of those games, and then obviously we beat the Jaguars and we beat the Bears, you know, then I think that we go into that last game and whoever wins wins the division. If we can do that and then get into that last game and beat Houston, you know, then I think we have a you know we win in the division, we move on to the playoffs for the first time in quite some time, and, and it would be huge. But even if we don't, I think this year's a success already. You know, just seeing how differently that we've been playing, seeing the growth in Marcus Mariota, seeing you know Demarco Murray play outstanding, and you know he proves that his off year last year was you know schematic and not and a reflection of of the ball player that he actually is seeing all of all the things that we've done this season I predicted us to be a six-win team and we're looking at seven or eight wins this is obviously success for me uh, this whole season I just want to throw that out there because I know a lot of fans are going to be disappointed when we don't make the playoffs because they set the bar pretty high but this season's already a success. We've already made so many strides to a good team. We're a couple of key pieces away from being a really great team. Uh, and I, I think we get there, you know, smart drafting, which John Robinson coming out of that Patriots organization, you know, they are the prototype for that. So exciting future in Tennessee for sure.
1: Yeah, obviously we don't want to start worrying about the draft and all that stuff until we're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So we're not going to get there, guys. Uh we're going to focus every week on you know, what, what we need to do to win the division to try to make the playoffs, and if that becomes a reality, awesome. We're going to, you know, we're going to roll with that. If it doesn't happen for us, it was still a great season. Uh, you've had more to look forward to each week this year than you've had in at least two years, probably more. If the fan base is not energized by what's happened this year, by the young additions, by the, the change in style of play, by Marcus's development, then you know, th- this may not be the team for you because this team is clearly on the rise. Uh, we're not just blowing you know sunshine up your ass here. Obviously, this team has gotten a lot better really quick. And so if this team does not do it for you now, just go ahead and go because you shouldn't be hanging out here you know, reaping the rewards in a couple years. Uh, I'm all for bandwagon fans. Someone's got to help, you know, fill the stadium, and buy stuff. Uh, the, this this team is 100 percent on the right track. You may not love Malarkey. Uh, we always take issue with some of the play calls, just about every single game. You know, the the fake punt, the not kicking Blake off the team, things like that. <laughs> but you know, obviously the Titans have made really good positive changes for the future between john robinson and mike Mularkey, they have completely changed the culture in the locker room and now they've just got to fine-tune things replace some you know questionable talent at different positions cornerback, um and and get us the next couple of pieces we need to be a real team and i i have to say i completely believe in what they're doing and i really have enjoyed this season and i'm looking forward to the bears game i'm looking forward to the bye week um just so people can get healthy, because Taylor Lewan, he, he might play this week. He probably shouldn't. It would be better, I think, if we let him rest and just put Kelly in there. But the competitor he is, he's probably going to try to get on the field if he possibly can. The, the bye week is going to do this team a lot of good, and we'll see how they come out against the Broncos.
0: Yeah, I agree with that statement with LeJuan. Um, Obviously a very key part to our success. I had an outstanding year. You know, we were talking... The beginning of the year, you know, he's like, I'm a left tackle. I don't play on the right side. I'm a left tackle. And we were talking about, like, well, you got to prove that. And, you know, he stepped up to the plate, and he absolutely has proven that he is, in fact, a left tackle. He does not need to be playing on the right side, you know, because he's been playing better than anybody else in the league at left tackle. You know, if you look at his numbers, it's every, each and every week, Pro Football Focus comes out and says, Taylor Lewan best left tackle in the league. You know, he absolutely stepped up and, and proved himself to be, that caliber of player. I agree with you there though. This is a game we should win even without him. Dennis Kelly has stepped up when we needed him, you know, uh, the last couple of weeks and really played outstanding, played a really really good game not against that not that last game but against the Green Bay, he stepped up and played a fantastic game in that when LaWan was kicked out of the game. And I think that he's good enough and will play good enough that we won't need him. Uh, we don't need Lawan against a team like the Bears that we're going to beat up on. So yeah, I know that LeJuan is a competitive, but I say take this week off. Then you go into the bye week. You get two weeks to get healthy, to get 100% for these final four games push, you know, in, in order to get into the playoffs. So LeJuan, do the best for the team set out this week. Let us get this win against the Bears. We, you know, we won't need you for this one, but we will need you when we take on, you know, the likes of Vaughn Miller and, and Derek Wolf. You know, coming up very soon. And and then we had to take on that, that nasty pass rush coming from Kansas City. You know, that I think doesn't get a lot of credit, but that is a good pass rush. And then, you know, of course, when we play Houston, there's going to be games where we really need Taylor Lewan. This is not one of those where we'd absolutely need him. Take the rest to, you know, go into the bye week with an extra week of rest. And come back, you know, firing on our cylinders, ready to go to take on some of the better pass rushes in the league that we have to, you know. We have three top-notch defensive lines that we're going to have to play in in the last four weeks.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're agreed. We'd like to see him just take this week off, have next week to get 100%. And just get ready for the home stretch. It should, it should be a pretty interesting last few weeks. I'm sure there'll be some pain and some disappointment in there somewhere, but we still have you know a legitimate shot at the playoffs. If we don't get there, it's still a win. I'm not talking about moral victories. I'm talking about the team is obviously much better than it was, and the future looks bright. So just sit back, enjoy the ride. Try not to you know, crack head out quite so much. Don't live and die with every single play. It's it's a long season. We still have games to go, and then we're going to go on to next next year. And we're not going to redraft the entire roster, no matter how much people scream and cry about it. We're just going to get the right pieces to take that next step.
0: What do you think the final score of this Bears game is going to be?
1: I'm saying uh, 35 to 10. I I think that the Titans just roll over them. They they probably get a pretty big lead early. They give up a garbage touchdown at the end of the game. It seems to be our process and maybe if one of those Bears linebackers can make a turnover or something like that they could put put up a few more points but uh, I don't see Matt Barkley even getting his first touchdown this week it'll probably still end up being one of the running backs getting it or something for him if he throws his first touchdown great who cares Uh, this should be a pretty easy win
0: I'm going to agree with you here I'm gonna go with the final score gonna be 31 to 6 and that 6 coming off of two field goals um and Tennessee comes out with a big victory. I don't even think they'll get find the end zone this week. I just have zero faith in the Bears um, being able to move the ball right now because you're going to tee off against Jordan Howard. And I like the kid. He's a good young running back, but he's not good enough to be able to to overcome, you know, seven, eight men in the box, which he's going to see a lot of because Barkley doesn't have the talent to throw over top of us. So, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a really bad week for the Bears, and we're going to come up big. 31-6 will be my final score. All right, that's all we have for the show this week. Thanks a lot for listening. Check out the Know Your Enemy article. Really great stuff that Glenn does there. And you can find us on Podbean, the Podbean app, or on iTunes. Wherever you can find iTunes, you can find the Two-Tone Uncensored. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks to Glenn for being here. Matt will be back next week. And tighten up.
1: Tighten up. Podbean.
0: Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast.
1: You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on
0: Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.